Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. This is Marshall Fant. Welcome back to GFA Missions Podcast Research. Uh, we're so thankful that GFA sponsors this and I appreciate so much all the GFA staff that makes this possible. And today, I've got a good friend of mine, Pastor Dave Schof. Welcome. Well, welcome. I'm delighted to be here, and I appreciate all you do. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Pastor Schof and I are kind of, I'll say, uh, partners trying to help churches. Okay, so, Pastor Schof, tell everyone uh, where you pastored, for how long, and you and your wife, uh, how many children, grandchildren, and all that type stuff. Okay, start at the bottom, uh, seven grandchildren, three children, um, and that's some of the pictures behind them. Yeah, behind see me. that. Over your shoulder, And yeah. uh, I was in Bolingbrook for 44 years. Wait a minute, what, and, what state? What state? Uh, Bolingbrook, Illinois. Illinois, Southwest, Southwest Chicago. Okay. And then I've been with uh, GFA doing some interim work since then. All right, so. Delight. Oh. No, it's great to have you and um, your wife. And, of course, we know in the interim world where you go from church to church for season to season, your wife is the hero because she's leaving home, setting up a new home, and uh, staying there for a while and then going to the next one, right? So, um, yes. Now, you and Trina, how many churches this year? So you're, you're an interim right now for the sake of our audience. And right. this is number, what, three? Three. Okay. Correct. Three. Okay. Mm-hmm. So here's a topic I challenged. Uh, really, I, I put uh, kind of a plea out to all our interims because we know that uh, the topic of, again, the interim ministry be a pastor that comes in like Pastor Show from when they're without a pastor and helps them find a pastor. Okay. And we know churches without pastors are vulnerable. Uh, we always go back to Numbers 27, 17 and Moses' prayer. Uh, before he departed his earthly ministry, he prayed the Lord. He said that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep without a shepherd. And then the mm-hmm. and the, the the verse that we love so much as interims would be John nine thirty six. And we know the first part, but when but when he Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And then he goes on to say, therefore, pray the Lord, the harvesters and workers into the harvest or laborers in the harvest. So sheep having no shepherd and, and, and what happens so many, uh, so much of the time, a pulpit committee comes together uh, to find their next under shepherd. And what say, so what Pastor Schof and I want to talk about today would be, now this is uh, the way I'm wording it. So Pastor Schof, you can reword it the way you want to. But uh, I changed the first title was what five common mistakes was that right five common mistakes pulpit committees make isn't that the way we titled it to begin with something like that yeah and then we decided it should be serious mistakes or or that's your kind word my word is disastrous okay so, okay <laughs> so uh, again I'm I'm speaking with Pastor uh, Schof on these questions and and as we look through this and as we were talking through it. Uh, he had a very interesting observation, just kind of as an introduction. 
So um, if I remember our conversation, you brought up two groups, families and corporations, and then churches. So give our audience kind of your analogy there. Well, families typically have wills and guardianships for their children. Uh, At least they should. Corporations have some kind of succession plan, and churches have nothing. Most churches have nothing. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And so, Generally. when there's no succession plan, now we know some pastoral, well, some churches without pastors uh, could be sudden. It could be from death. Uh, yes. Pastor suddenly um, uh, is disqualified or some other dramatic change. But normally, that's not what we walk into. Normally, we walk into a church, right? So where a pastor's retiring, is that what's come up in the three you've done, or what were those scenarios? Correct. Okay. Uh, so as we talk about these, all right, so let me, let's me let just jump into it. So number one, uh, five common mistakes, five serious mistakes pulpit committees make um, would be, number one, uh, not having a plan or process. Not having a plan or process. So, uh, Pastor Show, if you want to run with that and – and we'll just go back and forth. So how would you start addressing a pulpit committee on coming together with a plan and process? I really think this might be the most important or at least uh, the foundational one to the other four that's coming. Um, But somebody has to go through and review things such as the Constitution. So what does the Constitution say uh, looking for a pastor should look like? Um, there has to be some kind, and by the way, most constitutions need some kind of an update. Okay. So you have been, you've been in three churches and, and I would say most all churches, if the, if the, if there've been any time without a pastor needs an update, fair? Yes. Oh yes. Very much so. Okay. And and even the church I left, uh, I kept seeing things that needed to be addressed. So I think it's just because of life. The church where you retired from. Correct. Okay. That and then uh, budget needs to be looked at, and the covenant and the policies and all type of things. Uh, the budget, especially because you need to know uh, if you have any money to bring a candidate to the church and not be cheap about it, and it's going to cost some money. So where is that money going to come from? I mean, it could cost several thousand dollars to get a candidate to the church, take care of him, and uh, pay his expenses. All right, so what? This, let's just play this out a little bit. So what, what would be, the if a church is trying to do it on the cheap, what would, what would some of that look like? And what I'm saying is, so why is it important? We're not trying to, you know, woo and wow a candidate, but why is it important to make sure you have a budget set aside for a candidate to come in and where he can have privacy or whatever you, you name it while he's there. Uh, there's so much, there's so much to that. Um, uh, is he going to drive and bring his, his wife and children? He should. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he going to be here for some extended period of time? He should. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, it could be a couple Sundays and then all week. Right. Uh, so that means the church has to provide some kind of meals for him transportation to get here, transportation to get home. And he needs to have privacy for a lot of reasons, one of them being so he can just talk to his wife without 
people eavesdropping, or at least he feels maybe people will eavesdrop. Sure. Um, so some kind of a private setting for him. Uh, he might want to come and go at his own leisure, and that would be good. They might want to drive around town and just look at the different neighborhoods or the different stores or run to Walmart. And it's kind of uncomfortable if you're staying at somebody's house. Yeah, and I think another thing, when you're staying in somebody's home, and, and we've, we've all done it, you almost feel like you have to entertain them to a point. And yes. when you're, when you're yeah. a candidate and every question you're asked is important, you need that time of privacy, but also just not to have to entertain anybody. Yes, and then to take phone calls and to talk yeah, candidly yeah. on the phone, maybe to somebody else. So, right. yeah, there's there's a lot of reasons there needs to be some privacy. Okay, so uh, that budget should include transportation, food, hotel, or Airbnb. Uh, Airbnb yes. at home may be nice if you could do that for them. Uh, so you, mm-hmm. you got to, you got to have the budget as well as the, the committee itself may need a budget, right. In order to just oh, get I, things up and going. Right. And I think a lot of things need to be looked at. Um, uh, there needs to be research and all that, but yeah. What, what if the website needs, um, to be updated or the Facebook or you, so you need at least people that know how to do all that and put some photos in there. And um, a lot of churches haven't looked at those things for years. And it'd be nice to have it all up to date. Uh, maybe there's going to be office equipment. Maybe they're still using a mimeograph machine. <laughs> <laughs> let's hope um, not. <laughs> all right. Or so maybe let's, the let's, internet dial up or something. Yeah. You know? All right. So, so, yeah. But I mean, uh, so I'll have you comment on this because you're into, like, you, you have the privilege, you and your wife have the privilege of seeing a church for the first time over and over and over where most church members have been there a long time. All right. So would you say that it would be, it would be far more advantageous on a candidate's part to see a church that's already doing something and already up to date instead of him being overwhelmed? Like you said, the web, the web page, a website, the Facebook page. And I would like you to, uh, Pastor Schof, if we can part right here a minute, uh, the church where you're currently serving, I had the privilege of being there with you, and you actually helped them redo an office. All right, so tell us right. why you did that. I mean, uh, why, why would you take on a project like that as an interim, um, and what, what were you trying to accomplish? Well, many things. Uh, I feel my role is not just to help them find a pastor, but to prepare them for one. Okay. And I did not like the office settings where they were. Uh, I didn't think it was very functional. It was in a basement, right? It was in a basement. It was in the basement. Right. And the pastor was in a little small office. And so I kept talking to people about things. And almost everybody said, we've got to get the secretary out of the basement. So it was something they knew and they wanted, but they just needed somebody to step it up. And so I got with one guy and we just started working on taking stuff out, like um, the paneling and all that and redoing the ceiling. And then everybody joined in and it's been uh, a very wonderful change for the church to have a wonderful office for the secretary. So this new office was actually in a building that wasn't being used as much, right? 
So I mean, there Correct. was additional space in this situation. Yes. So you mm-hmm. saw a need, and so so you almost challenge churches. And again, this is another great reason to bring in an interim, is so yes. they can see things firsthand and walk you through this. All right, now a couple other things. So talk to us. You talked about the Constitution. Pastor Shove, how in the world do you deal with to make sure membership records are up to date before they go voting on somebody? How do you address that? Because this is part of the process. Right, it is. Uh, some churches hardly know where their membership list is. Other churches are pretty close to having it okay. accurate. Uh, this church here, uh, they they were pretty close to having everything up to date. Um so, yeah, you, you have to have that. That's a constitutional legal thing that those records have to be found out. Uh, most churches do not have good financial records. Uh, they're all in a file cabinet somewhere, but they're not organized in a way so that they can be perused and understood. A lot of churches don't have a good accounting program. Um, and I'll just throw one out like Power Church or one of these other ones that are tailor-made for churches. Yeah. And I'm sorry, it so, you, you know, a, a, a guy that's interested in the church is going to want to know where the finances are and see it in some kind of an understandable form. All right. So as they're doing this, it's also putting together a church profile, right? So all this yeah. is so all this yes. is working together to get the church ready to be able to tell a candidate, even though at this point we on, on our timeline, we haven't even identified a candidate yet. We're just getting yes. ready. So yes, this is absolutely. this is way back before you even start searching resumes. You're establishing a a process and a plan. And all right, so uh, talk about this now. Also, how do you make sure you get the right people on the pulpit committee? Okay, well, some churches don't have deacons, or they don't have people that are maybe understanding how you even look. So again, an interim, it can be really helpful to um, give them places to search. Uh, I, I went to a church and uh, their little tiny pipeline of candidates was from the wrong source. And so I really, I think I really helped them to understand that there's a lot of better places to look okay. for than the internet. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, yeah uh, I, I I like the idea that both husband and wife will meet uh, at certain times to discuss either the candidate or prepare for one coming. Mm. So couples to me is a, is a very strong point. Yeah, uh, I don't meet with couples all the time, but uh, there are times wives really have some insight guys don't. So you're saying, uh, all right, so let's just say the public committee up, made up of the deacons. Yes. And you're saying there needs to be a time from your experience where – the wives become a part of that to give their input on, especially when somebody's coming to town, how you're going to take care of the wife and things that yep. the women see that we don't see. Is that, is that a good way to put Correct. it? All right. So, and then the ability to email and text and right, do other yeah. searches on the internet, that type of thing is also very important. So really the pulpit committee, you've got to have somebody on there that's tech savvy to do a uh, lot a of the couple people. You're going to wear one yeah. guy out. If it's yeah. Just one guy. <laughs> yeah. All right, and again, this could be another reason to bring in an interim is to guide them through this. Even though the interim is not there, he's not a voting member of the church. He right. can be there to guide th- to guide them through. And and again, I had a I had one person tell me that they didn't want an interim because they didn't want him to take over. 
Well, they don't understand a biblical view of the interim. Okay, so I just right. wanted to—I just couldn't help but throw that out there. Yeah, all right. or shepherd. Yeah, <laughs> sure. All right, so um, all right, so we're still on plan and process, and as we're doing this, we got the membership records up to date. Who are the voting members? You got the Constitution up to date. We've got the right people on the committee. The church needs to know who they are and where they are. So you mentioned a couple of comments on that, how you help churches um, really know who they are and where they are about the community. And how, how would you help a church put together a profile um, d- d- describing their church and their community? Why is that, why is that important? Well, most younger candidates will be able to search the community and know um, the quality of the schools and know the weather, for example. Um, You know, like I've got snow on the ground here, but and some people maybe from Kentucky would not even think that it's cold. Right. Um, But, yeah, everything from uh, the salaries, uh, shopping centers, wives want to know where the stores are, how far away is it. Um, crying income and uh, it's very helpful for a guy coming to town and he can see that yeah. and he knows if he's a fit for that kind of community. All right. So um, the last thing I want to discuss, all right, so we're still in number one, in other words, five common or yes. disastrous mistakes, <laughs> and then we'll, we'll move on. But I think you said it well, this is probably without a plan and a process, really nothing else could take place. So we're still in we're still in the prepare mode uh, on our timeline yeah. of calling someone. So uh, what about uh, putting together a questionnaire for the candidate to answer or for the church to ask the candidate? Yes, I um, I've been privileged for other pastors to give me questionnaires that they have asked candidates. I've passed it on even when I left. I gave them, and I it's kind of common they have like sixty questions that are important for the church to be able at some point to ask the candidate. All right, now. And uh, these, are, these are kind of hard questions, but uh, they get down to nitty-gritty stuff. And so those type of things are available. But, again, before you have a person in mind, you should have the questions ready. There we go. Yeah. <clears throat> Is that a copyrighted document, or could we post that in our show notes? Do you know? Uh, you, you could do that. It's, it's not copyrighted. All right. If you would send that to us, we'll put it in the show notes. So at least they have a sample of what to go with. Okay. All right, number two. Okay, common mistake, disaster mistake number two pulpit committees make, not taking their time. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, true. <laughs> yeah. Especially if they've gone without a pastor for a while, even even if they're not thinking interim at the beginning, um, the pulpit committee gets burned out. And uh, so they want to hurry, hurry, and, and uh, get over the pain. And uh, finding a fit can be difficult because some, some of the good guys that are out there, um, they've kind of limited uh, their desire to pastor in a particular part of the country. Or uh, maybe their income level or their income needs won't match the particular church finances. So, yeah, uh, finding one can be difficult. That's why an interim can kind of help keep it together. It yeah. can fill the pulpits. It can field quite. He can field questions from the candidates. Uh, he can help the pulpit committee um, widen maybe their search, um, and maybe ask the hard questions about the constitution or the budget or that type of thing. So, yeah, I'm a I'm an interim uh, promoter. I I think it's really helpful to a church. 
but um, yeah, it, you got to take time and an interim can kind of slow that uh, panic up to a, a more reasonable pace. Yeah. And I, I, I agree. And uh, just another comment, I agree with everything you said. Another comment would be uh, slowing down or not rushing helps you. Uh, we all react maybe to our previous pastor and maybe he yes. was, maybe he was a great pulpiteer and that's what you expect. And what, so what I'm saying is I think the more time you take, especially again, this isn't a, this isn't a podcast just on the interim ministry, but it does show you the advantages of the interim. It gives the congregation a chance to recalibrate. Okay. Yes. What does the Bible require of a, of a pastor, of an elder versus what you just want? So you constantly, you, you're recalibrating and not just reacting to the previous pastor. So, uh, right. but if you're rushing it, you know, you probably have not gotten um, over your previous pastor. I don't mean that in a negative way, even in a positive way, because he, he may have had yeah. a huge. All right. So, uh, anything else on taking your time? No, I, I, I just think if you kind of, by the way, you pray better, uh, you have better records. Uh, you have no way. So back up. So back up. There's just a lot of reasons to take time. So Pastor Shof, why do you pray better if you're not in a rush? Me personally. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, as you're leading the church, I mean, well, yeah, I I pray better when I'm not panicked. There you go. Okay. Uh, I I have to see what I have to realize that God is in this. Right. Uh, I've had to work through some things myself personally. Um, just even in this church, and, and this is a great church, but, uh, yeah, I've had to slow up and realize that, that God was doing some things I didn't think he was doing, you know, so <laughs> yeah, um, uh, slowing yeah. up does help me. Good. Good. All right. Number three, five common disastrous, serious mistakes pulpit committees make number three, not fully vetting a candidate. Yeah. Not fully vetting. And I know, yeah. uh, so Give us some comments on that. Well, I love, uh, I think your verbiage was secondary references. Secondary references are the references you get from the primary references. Uh, They're not written down anywhere except when you're talking to a reference and and you ask them, who else knows him? And they tell you a name that you haven't seen and you call them. Um, I found incredible stuff that was not on the, on the resume, but came from a secondary reference. Uh, there was one guy that was divorced, but he didn't put it down, but a secondary reference told me. Mm. And when I called him back, he said, how'd you find out? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I didn't tell him. But, but it's, um, like, it's like the Lord doesn't know these things, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So a primary reference is probably what's going to be on the resume or – Yes. Uh, so secondary reference would be you find someone, you call in the primary reference, and then you ask them, who else do, who else do you know that knows this person, right? Yeah. That's a secondary That's reference. Important. All right. Yeah. What about the basics of background checks? Yes. Uh, it should be required. Um, it should be in every church constitution or at least in their policies. Uh, so before a guy comes, he should at least go through that. Uh, background checks are not that expensive and there's all different kinds out there. Yeah. Sometimes a church insurance company can help you get one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there, there's other all kinds of ways of getting one, but yes, that's that's very very important. Um, Right. So what would be some other things as a pulpit committee is fully vetting a candidate? Uh, things like, um, you know, how long did the candidate stay at his previous church or churches? Yes, and that should be part of the research that you do. Now, why is, that, why is that important? Well, I've noticed that in some candidates we've had every few years, they're at a different church. And so it kind of looks like they're when a church, um, a bigger church gives an opportunity, they leave the smaller church to go to the bigger church. Or if another church would pay more, they'd leave one church to go to one that paid more. Um, and on a regular basis, and I, I'm just not interested in those kind of guys. Or a guy who won't work through conflict. The first pushback oh, it gets. Yeah. 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 Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, another question I want to ask you, so, um, the way a pastor leaves, um, will contribute, I mean, the previous pastor. Okay. So would you say, all right, lots of times in our churches, all right. So you pastored in your church in Bolingbroke for how many years? 44. How many? 44. 44. Okay. Now you had, uh, someone on staff that became the pastor, right? Correct. Okay. So that was a transition from within, all right? But yeah. uh, in your observation of churches, if you've done this, would would it be fair to say, Pastor Schof, that the longer someone had been at a church as a pastor, the more need of an interim so the next guy in doesn't become like a sacrificial lamb? Yes, and especially if there's no nobody within to take the ministry. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because there's going to be a lot of differences. Yeah. Okay. You want to comment on what that difference may be? Oh, it could be everything from length of sermon to style of preaching yeah. <laughs> to, um, uh, you know, how he does his office hours, how he does counseling, yeah. uh, whether he's personable, whether he walks around the auditorium before he preaches or he stays around after he preaches. I mean, it could be everything. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's going to be a difference in personality um, and maybe even uh, biblical interest. You know, some would right. preach a lot from the Old Testament. Others would be very topical. So, yeah, there, there's going to be a, a difference of the next guy so an interim can kind of shape things up. All right, so let me – you touched on this earlier, but, again, under the category of fully vetting a candidate, um, there, there is a formal time to vet a candidate, like in Sunday services, and then there's informal lunches, dinners, breakfasts, uh, just informal Q&A. What would be, in, from your opinion and your experience, what would be the ideal length of time a pulpit committee should plan on bringing a candidate in for? What would, In your view, what would be ideal? Well, I, I wish I could tell you perfectly how to, that I've always done it this way, and I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I am leaning towards uh, a Sunday through Sunday that includes something going on every day of the week between the two Sundays. Okay. So, so whether he is um, out with somebody visiting um, other churches in the area or whether he's eating meals with people or taking walks and, and just seeing the neighborhood. Um, uh, yeah, it could be all kinds of things that a candidate can do, and especially his wife. 
There needs to be some quality time that she has to ask questions of other ladies, to see if she's a fit yeah. with the ladies that are in the church. So, yeah, a week, I would say, would be minimal. Okay, so in, in your ideal world, come in on a Sunday, do the Sunday services, have the week, do a Wednesday service, do another Sunday service. And, and so you've got formal times and you have informal times. And as they're doing this, um, again, the, this is important because is, every church has a culture. And yes. so the, the pulpit committee and the church needs to communicate who they are. The pastor and his family need to communicate who they are to really see if these two cultures can work together. Yes, it's a two-way street. Yeah, okay. Anything else on not fully vetting? Um, I, I think if you've done your homework up to this point, when he comes, uh, the questions and answers will be rather smooth and, okay. no, and no surprises. But uh, if you haven't done it, there's a good chance somebody's going to ask a hard question and he's going to fumble. Yeah, so the, the part of the vetting would be reading a doctrinal statement, listening to sermons, or watching sermons online. Oh, yeah. yes. Please so, I mean, watch sermon. Yeah, and watch how he yeah. conducts a service. Uh, the yes. entire service, just don't watch just a sermon. Um, yes. How he does an invitation, if he does one. You know, all of that is part of who this person is, and it is the pulpit committee's responsibility to fully vet. And, of course, you know, the only sinless one was Jesus, right? So we know we know that us pastors have many uh, scars, scabs, and warts is the way we like to put it, but so do churches. All churches have scars, yeah. scabs, and warts. So, you know, yes. it, it's it's important, again, the church culture trying to match up. With, I mean, the man could be fully qualified biblically, right? But it just may not be yes. a fit for that church culture where that church may be. Is that fair or am I being oh, too narrow? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. Good people. Yeah. But don't fit everywhere. Okay. All right. So a common mistake or serious mistake number four, not communicating with proper people in the proper way. All right. So not yeah. communicating with the proper people. This is the pulpit committee now and in the proper way. So who should the pulpit committee be communicating with, Pastor Shove? Well, I, I'm guilty of this one. Um, I, I wish I was a better communicator with some of this information. Um, at least in the past, I, I think I'm doing better now. <laughs> we have a spokesman in the pulpit committee that does give these uh, regular updates. I think the whole church needs to hear the update. So whoever's in the church service um, can be up to speed. It, it eliminates a lot of talk or assumption. Um, but the pulpit committee needs to also communicate among themselves. And so if a guy says, hey, I'm really struggling, I, I, I just don't know anymore. I, I kind of thought, well, everybody needs to hear that on the pulpit committee, and they work through that. Okay. Um, and wives also. So if a wife is struggling uh, in the pulpit committee, that, that needs to be communicated because maybe she's saying something everybody else misses. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, so even though the wife may not be a voting member, it would be important to have her input. Oh, well, right. uh, I'm talking about the wife of somebody on the pulpit committee. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so all right, so we got others on the committee. Um, what about how – now, you, you said you had a spokesman for your pulpit committee. How often did he give an update to the church? 
And how was that update? Was uh, it email? Was it verbal? Was it in a service? Part of the normal service? In a service. It was verbal in a service. Verbal um, in a regular service, like a Sunday morning or Sunday night service. Yes. Yes, okay. correct. And it was, it was made, and we should do it more, but it was mostly when there was some change or, or, you know, it was from a general statement, we're looking, we have some eyes on somebody to, oh, we've, we had a Zoom call and, you know, so whatever, whatever the update is, uh, everybody knows about it after the fact or right. soon after the fact. How often were those updates? Were they scheduled or just as you had new information? New information. Okay. So anytime there was new information, then you would report it to the congregation. Yeah. Okay. That was our goal. All right. So another thing on the, on the, I think this goes for takes and for granted, but I don't make sure I'm just, I, I mention it that the pulpit committee should never disclose the man's name or where he lives or anything. It's not like a pastor from Bolingbrook, Illinois. I mean, you don't reference things like that. Because until you have the candidate's permission, so it's got to be held in the strictest confidence. And so what you must not communicate is the candidate's name until he gets permission. How else would you say True. that? You, True. Yeah, because he may not want to come. Yeah. And then now, now he's dug himself a hole. So, no, yeah. you're right. It has to be with his permission. All right. And um, – is there anything wrong with the pulpit committee also sending out an email update, or did you always keep those verbal? We kept them verbal. Um, I personally don't like a lot of emails, so I, you know I was just kind of feeling that from myself. Um, yeah, I, I, we kept it. Uh, we kept it verbal. Um, that way, even some of the older people that don't have emails uh, weren't lost out. Okay. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's get to number five. As you can tell, obviously the first one we addressed was the most complex, because until you have a a a plan and process, you really can't do much else. Okay, um, uh, serious mistake number five: not praying. And of course, yes. we all should operate under this umbrella. Comment, Pastor Shove. Comment on that, please. Who would you pray for, and how often, and what would you, what do you recommend? Well, I'm I'm very opinionated on this. I, I think prayers ought to be very specific. Okay. And so when you have, once you've gotten this candidate, then your prayers can be very specific for him and his wife, his present ministry, his traveling. Um, but I think what's often left out is the church. And so we ought to be praying specifically for the people in the church um, because again, this is, there's two parts of this. So not just for him, but for us as he comes and visits us and, uh, the ministry that we can have to him, um, while he is here and being submissive to his leadership. So yeah, okay. it's a big list of prayer. All right. So really in, in, in the big picture, you're praying for the candidate, you're praying for the pulpit committee and you're praying for the church itself. Yes. Okay. And these regular ongoing, um, because unless we're operating under this umbrella, we're, it's going to be fruitless. Um, that's true. Okay. So I, right, so la closing comments. Now, again, these are, this is a, the big picture and, uh, I'm sure there may be some follow-up questions our, our, um, listeners may have. 
Um, but any anything else, we'll put in the show notes uh, Pastor Schof's email address and the document he recommended. And we'll put some other documents as well, like one of our uh, interims here, uh, Scott Goodwill, has put together a great plan, and he's got a timeline and follows a timeline of planning and preparation. That's the first thing we talked about. And that moves into the search itself. And the next step from there would be a viable candidate brought into the church. And then the call. And then you have a transition time, right, Pastor Shove? Yes. So what have you found in, in the churches you've helped between the, t- the, the time the candidate agrees, okay, the pulpit committee's job's not over until he is in place. So how long a transition normally, what, what's a reasonable transition from the candidate accepts the call to the time he reports to the church? And what are the variables in there, such as school and that kind of stuff? Oh, there's a lot. If, if he's renting, then he has to get out of his lease where he is. If yeah. he has a house, he has to sell his house. Um, I don't recommend that he moves quickly. I think you probably ought to do it right and at least have it, you know, turn over everything to an attorney if that's how you want to do it and move. But most people want to stay around so they've sold it. Yeah. Uh, sometimes a job would require them to stay around for weeks, uh, like a six weeks notice or something. Uh, sometimes there's other things involved. Um, one of the candidates, uh, wants to finish the semester that he's involved with in school. Um, so yeah, um, there's all kinds of things. So I I think that's part of the decision and the working of a pulpit committee to, to make those, I'll say, negotiations of what would be best for both. Okay, so we got things, especially if they have children, especially like in junior high or high school, they may want to finish the semester, finish the year. And then, yes. and if somebody, would you, would you agree with this? If a candidate says, you know, it's going to be 12 months before I can come, then probably he is not the man for this time. So it's got to be a reasonable, the transition time's got to be a reasonable amount and not like a year. Okay. And, and, all right. So then we got the transition and then the, then the pulpit committee's job is over once his ministry begins. Is that, is that good? And they wrap yes. it up then, but it's really not over yes, until then. Right. Good. Yes. Okay. You're right. All right. Uh, give you, you got 30 seconds to a minute. Anything else you want to say? If I, have I led you out of everything there? What else you want to say? I don't know. Uh, I I think your five-point outline here of the seriousness is uh, as good as it gets. Uh, I've read a lot of stuff on interim pastoring and and all of this, and I think you've you've brought the cream to the top. So um, just maybe we didn't talk about it, you know, in depth or perfectly, but uh, these five things are – are absolutely best. So thank you for putting yeah. it together and uh, allowing us to talk about it. You are, I mean, and you know, I, I wanted to present these in the positive, but when I present them in the negative, it, that's the reason I use the word disastrous or serious, because with, if these are not followed, there are going to be major problems on, on the, so, you know, I try to be a positive person, but I did put all of these in the negative uh, for a, for a reason. Okay. <laughs> All right, Pastor Dave Shove, thank you. I appreciate your ministry. Again, he's an active interim pastor. He helps churches through this. 
Uh, his email address and his uh, the the article he mentioned will be in the show notes. Uh, there'll also be a um, you know a link to the GFA interim pastor ministry. And if you're if you're a church and you say what is this about, I didn't know there was such available. Uh, we'll be happy to help you that as well. All right, Pastor Show, thank you. God bless, and hope you have a good evening. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Yep. Bless. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org slash consulting.